So there's a lot in these readings today, and it's so hard to like do this in a daily mass homily because there's, you could just go on and on. But just a couple things to think about here, and maybe what the Lord is wanting to have us hold on to. St. Ignatius of Loyola has this powerful um, statement that he says, I'm paraphrasing it, but basically, um, we are called to do all for the greater glory of God and the salvation of souls. And all of created goods, all of creation, is there and to be used in praise of the divine majesty. And to the extent that it helps us praise and honor for the greater glory of God, then we're supposed to take it up and use it. But to the extent that it becomes an obstacle, we're supposed to let go of it. And so it's this, what we call this holy indifference, that we're not clinging to the things of this life. We're not rejecting them and saying that they're bad and evil. That was a heresy in the church of saying the things that are earthly are bad and we need to break away from that. But we can't cling to it. And that's what's being spoken about in the reading today. You have... Jesus speaking about, in a particular way, if you dig into this in a, in a scripture uh, study, he's talking in a particular way about what will happen many years from when he says this in the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the Jerusalem temple. And it is something that can also point towards the time when Jesus comes in glory but what Jesus is saying in this context here is he's saying, be ready for that moment will come when you least expect it, just like in Noah and in Lot's day. So Sodom and Gomorrah and Noah's ark. In both of those situations, people were going about not knowing that that would be the day in which everything comes crashing in. And it was the same in the time when the Roman army besieged Jerusalem in 70 AD and destroyed it and destroyed the temple. And it has been destroyed since. And actually there is a mosque that is built right on top of it called the Dome of the Rock. It never was rebuilt. And ultimately it's very prophetic because Jesus points to himself saying, I am the new temple, the temple of my body. But this is one of these very sad, tragic moments in which Jesus even weeps for Jerusalem. In the Gospels, he's going on Palm Sunday, getting ready to go into his final journey into Jerusalem, and he sees Jerusalem. And there's actually a place in the Holy Land that you can pray at where Jesus cries because he knows what's going to happen, because his people, for the large majority of them are missing his visitation. And he prophesies that there will be a moment in which the enemies come and will hem in the city. And this is part of some of that prophetic call in which Jesus is prophesying that this will happen. But he says here, he says, in these moments, when this comes, when you see the day the Son of Man is revealed. And, and in a very particular context, he's saying, when you see the judgment upon this city, 
in the form of the Roman army that's coming. And it, it really was very sad because the leaders of the time, remember how they rejected Jesus? But then there were other people later on that started popping up saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. And unfortunately, they said yes to the wrong guy, said, I can help us defeat the Romans. And he was a military Messiah. His name was Bar Kafka. And all the Jewish religious leaders, they sided at that moment, but in a sad way because they went after the wrong person. And the Romans didn't like that. And there was this judgment that happened. And if you read the historical accounts of what happened, it actually says by a non-Jewish and non-Christian Roman historian, his name was Josephus, he says, the Christians actually all left the city because they remembered what their Messiah, what their leader had said. When you see these things happening, and it's spelled out a little more, I think, in the Gospel of Matthew or Mark, run. So this particular context is talking about that moment, because if it was talking about the second coming of Jesus, we shouldn't be running from that, but we should be like, come Lord Jesus. We pray that at every Mass. We say, come Lord Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the Christians at this particular moment, they knew that they weren't supposed to go back and grab all their stuff because they would be most likely killed in the midst of that because it was something that came so swift. And it even says here, one will be, two people will be in bed, one will be taken, one will be left. And sometimes people will use this to talk about a false teaching called the rapture, which is not part of Christianity. It actually comes more, I think, in like the 20th century, 19th century. And it's kind of a combination of science fiction and Christianity. It sort of blends together. So the Left Behind series or any of the rapture stuff is actually not ever in Christianity. And so even here, it's talking about two people in one bed, one will be taken, one will be left. What the Romans did during this time is they had a quota, they were very brutal people. They had a quota of people that they needed to kill and people that they needed to leave behind in order to strike fear into the people, to say, you mess with Rome, we're going to kill some of you, but we're going to leave some of you to tell the story. And so many times they would break into a house or break into a place and they would kill a certain amount and they would leave the others to bear that fear. And so this is in many ways what Jesus is speaking about, saying these things are going to happen. You need to get out of there. And the Christians listened. And Josephus Again, who's not even, he doesn't have any stake in the game. He's not Jewish and he's not Christian. But he said, all the Christians, there was none of them left because they listened and remembered the words of Scripture. So Scripture has the power of also saving our lives in a very, very real way, as it did with the people in the early church. So this is the context that's there. And even this sort of strange passage where they say, where, Lord, where the body is, there also the vultures gather. I remember reading that. I'm like, what does that mean? That is kind of weird. But on one level, it talks about the graphic violence that happened 
in the destruction of Jerusalem in which so many were killed, but then so many were also crucified at that moment. They said that there was just these rows and rows of, of a huge population of the city being put up on crosses outside of the destroyed city to say, this is what happens when you mess with Rome. But it also, the vulture word can also mean eagle. And so the Roman army, if you remember, they carried banners with the eagle on it. And so it's saying, when you see this, that's the sign to get out of Dodge, to get out, because this is a particular judgment that's happening to the, the people in Jerusalem because they missed the Lord's visitation. Now, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned his people. His covenant continues there, but there are consequences, very sad ones, when we miss the Lord saying, follow me, and we say, no thanks. So the Lord is knocking at the door of each of our hearts, and maybe we might have that temptation to say, tomorrow, Lord, tomorrow, Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out tomorrow. I'm kinda, I, I kind of like having my fun right now, and so I'll, I'll say yes to you more deeply tomorrow. But the message today is, Tomorrow might not come. Think about the truth that a, a priest actually, there is a prayer that a priest many times has as he's leaving the sacristy, and it says, priest of God, celebrate this mass as if it were your first, last, and only mass. And so maybe think about each day especially us who maybe have that, that beautiful opportunity of going to Mass daily, but even just waking up and saying, this might be my last day. Can I live this day as though it were like my first and my last? The first to have the freshness of wonder, the excitement, but also the last to say, if I knew that I only had 24 more hours to be on this earth, how would I use those hours? We probably wouldn't just be sitting on our Facebook, just looking and scrolling and scrolling for those 24 hours. When we realize that the time limit is shrinking, we start then to look at life differently, and we can actually live more beautifully. I, I've heard this too, and even some of my friends who are in the midst of a terminal illness, as difficult as that was, some of them have said to me, I've really started to live. I'm starting to take each moment in a very special gift sort of way. I'm reaching out to those family members that maybe I say tomorrow, tomorrow, and I'm making sure that I'm, I'm cherishing that moment. I'm taking time in my prayer. I'm taking time to enjoy the gift of creation. All of these different things, they kind of wake up to life when they realize that there's a limit to that time of life. So the more that we especially during this time of November, when we memento more, which means to remember death, not in a morbid way, but in a way that can actually bring us more alive to say, Lord, this might be my last day. Help me to live it in that special way of walking with you, not wasting the time in so many other superfluous things, but help me to focus on what is for the greater glory of God. 
And that's where we are not called to cling to the things of this life, but to hold our hands out like this, that holy indifference to say, Lord, I don't want to cling to these things because they're going to weigh me down. I'm going to become like the life of Lot. We don't want to turn into a pillar of salt. She looked back saying, but I, but I want to hold on to this. Rather, we should be arms open wide saying, Jesus, give me what I need today to live for you. Because ultimately, our heart is made for heaven. And so we can even ask that question, why wait? Come, Lord Jesus, help me to live my life with that stretching towards you. And when we do that, we will use the created things of this life wisely. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.